So we're going to keep going with our, what we've been doing here at Western Hills is we've been learning about Jesus. And we had already dedicated this entire year to learning about Him. And so we have launched this year looking at Jesus through the Gospel of Luke. And so if you have a Bible, I want you to open that up. If you've been with us, you know that we've been using the Scripture journals from the Gospel of Luke. It's an ESV translation of the Bible. And so I want you to grab your Scripture journal or open an app on your phone. And I want you to find Luke chapter 12. And just a second, you're going to hear the passage we read today, but I want to tease it up for you just a moment. Because it's the passage that we're wrestling with today is so appropriate that I didn't have the foresight when I laid out the series that we would be discussing this at this time. But as you follow along with Scripture, things are revealed to you, and God puts these great connections before us. And so you're going to see a passage today that I believe speaks right into our situation right now. In fact, I want you to be listening for it because you're going to hear it and it may even catch you off guard some of the things that Jesus is going to suggest that we do. Jesus is going to command us to do. And it may seem like, yeah, that's good for any other time but right now. And also, I know that we've got some kids and some students watching, and if you are, I want to invite you to, as we follow along, a few weeks ago, I asked you to draw some pictures. If you want to draw another picture and send that to me, I loved receiving those and seeing how the kids were involved. I want you to draw a picture from one of the things from today's passage. Or if you're more into the scripture art, where you write out the scripture in a very um, artful way, I want to encourage you to do that. Take a picture of it. Let me see it. That's a great encouragement. That's a way that we can experience this passage together. Well, today I've invited my friend Jim Hanna to read the scripture for you. So if you have your Bibles, open it to Luke chapter 12. He's going to start reading in verse 22. And then we're going to come back and talk about it. Jim? Today's reading comes from Luke chapter 12, and beginning in verse 22. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions 
and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Thank you, Jim. Did you catch it? Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. So let's talk about that word, anxiety. Does this not describe what the overwhelming emotion that most of us feel right now? When you think about it, it's, a, it's almost a, a pylon of just stressors coming in together. It's the COVID-19. It's the question about what's next. It's the quarantine in place. It's all of these things that are just collecting together. If you think about how all these things are colliding, you may have anxieties that have to do with finances, that has to do with, with the, the, the downturn in the economy, that has to do with the fact that you were furloughed or you were laid off. And now you're trying to figure out how to pay bills, or you've watched a 401k decrease, or you're now trying to figure out how are you going to pay for even groceries, or perhaps maybe for the very first time that you've ever had to, you've gone and waited in a, at a food center, perhaps even our own here at the Love of Christ Food Pantry. And so whatever it is that you're experiencing all these questions, all these anxieties, all this just cloud of issues together, Jesus still speaks into that and says, don't be anxious. Well, as I thought about all the different issues that we're wrestling with and all the different things that perhaps you and your family are, are facing and loved ones that we've been distant from, and, and I'm even aware of grandparents that haven't got to hold their newborn grandkids yet because of the quarantine. Don't be anxious, he says. So as I thought about all that pressure and all that thing, I, I found a picture that I think helps explain exactly what we're all feeling. So I'm going to show you this. See if you can't relate to this picture. Does this describe your quarantine experience? Right here. There's that goldfish just waiting for the blender to be turned on. And that's kind of where we are right now. We're in this waiting, holding period because we know, or we feel like, or we've been told that whatever comes next, that's going to be really, really bad. And so I can relate to this guy. You feel isolated, you feel trapped, you feel confined, and you just feel like it's only going to get worse from here on out. Well, that's why what we talk about today matters so much because there's a truth and you already know this but here's the reality as your anxiety increases your faith decreases as as we start getting caught up in what's going on in our gut we know that that it starts chipping away at our faith and we may have felt like we were on good ground between us and God before but as the longer we've gone and nobody predicted that we'd be still here you know almost 40 days later, not being able to meet together. As that goes on, that continues to go on, you can feel your faith decreasing, and you get the sense as your anxieties are rising. And so it really matters that we pay attention to what Jesus had to say and to the fact that we pay attention to our anxieties and we manage those because as they, again, as they rise, it's going to steal from our faith. It's going to 
um, steal from our joy. It's going to steal from our focus on who Jesus is. So with Jesus' words, when he says those words, do not be anxious, you have to understand that comes in a context. Because it sounds kind of harsh when he just walks up and says, do not be anxious about anything in your life. But there is a context that he gives those words. And I want to jump back to the story right before that. Because what Jesus does is when he says, do not be anxious, he's given a story, an example, right before it. And so what he's doing for us is he's, he's setting us up to explain, here's why you're anxious. And he's going to tell us how to not be anxious. So what goes on right before that, if you want to follow along, I'm going to jump up to verse 13. And I'm going to read through some of this pretty quickly. But in verse 13, he's preaching, and he's teaching, and it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Okay, so what's going on is he's teaching, and somebody comes up, they have a request of Jesus. And this isn't a request for, to answer a question. This isn't a request for a miracle. This is, he wants Jesus to settle a dispute. You ever had a fight with a sibling? They're getting Jesus involved. And if you've ever gone through a situation where you've lost a, a mother or a father and there's an inheritance to be split out, you know that can create stress in any family. And so that's what's going on. And so he wants Jesus, this rabbi, to solve the problem. So he says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus responds, but he said to him, man, who made me judge or arbiter over you? And then he said to them, so now pay attention. Jesus said that to the man, but now he's turning back to the larger audience in front of him, the crowd that's gathered around. And he's speaking to them and he's speaking to us. He says, he says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And it says, take care and be on your guard. And he says, be on your guard for what? For covetousness. Now some of your translations may say against greed. And what he's getting at is not necessarily just what you and I think about greed, but this idea of always needing to fight for and grapple for and reach out and grab for more. Whatever your situation. See, it's always easy to look kind of at those more wealthy and just go, well, they're greedy. I'm just cautious. They're, they're, they're self-focused. Um, I'm just being smart with my money. And, but what he does is he's about to loop us all in because he says, take, take care and be on your guard. And that's a very active statement. And what he's inviting us to do is, is, you've got to be careful because this will sneak up on you. This will find its way into your heart and into your life if you're not careful. You can be caught off guard. Let's face it, it's hard to see greed when you're looking in the mirror, isn't it? Now, I can spot it in your mirror, but it's hard for me to see it in my own mirror because I have all kinds of reasons and excuses that I make. It says, take guard. Now, we've been very active, haven't we, about taking guard recently. I mean, when the, the COVID-19 virus came, suddenly we're hand sanitizing, we're washing our hands like never before, we're practicing social distance, some are wearing masks, we had to change how we do church. We went on guard about how we're addressing this virus. That's what Jesus is saying. You've got to pay attention to this. 
This is like a virus. And you may not be able to see it coming at you, but it has a definite effect on you. So he says, be careful, take guard. And then he tells a story. And again, he's still addressing this crowd. He tells us a story or a parable in verse 16. And he told them a parable saying, the land of, the mich- I'm sorry, the land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, this is the rich man thinking, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build a larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. So he launches in, he tells a story about a farmer, a wealthy landowner that already has lots of wealth, but he has a great bumper crop this year. And he's got more crop than he's got barns. He's got more crops than he's got places to store. And so he's a smart guy, so what does he do? He takes down his existing barns, builds new structures, larger structures, and begins to store and tells himself this. Tells himself, let's look at the names. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. He has now found confidence in what he has stored up. Verse 20. But God said to him, Fool. Now, if you ever make a Bible story, you don't want the title fool to be associated to you. This wise guy, this guy that knows how to do business, that knows how to store, that's careful with his money, that's smart with his finances, God calls a fool. He says, This night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? And that's a great question. Who's all this stuff going to go to? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, you may think at first place, what does this have to do with our current situation? I'm going to tell you that this is another form of some of the hoarding that we saw at the very outbreak of this pandemic. And this is how insidious this is. This is how this can sneak up on you. I've never really worried about where the next, my next meal is going to come from or if my family is going to be provided. But I can tell you in the early weeks of this, as I would go into a grocery store, walking in thinking, I'm calm, I'm rational, I've got my act together, and then going into the store and suddenly seeing all the frenetic energy in there as people are trying to get their groceries and prepare for the quarantine, and then seeing the empty shelves. And you know what suddenly happened to me? There may not be enough for me. And I felt that urge to want to start racing around and want to start participating in some of that chaos that we all experienced. And it was easy to look at somebody else and go, well, they're hoarding. What am I doing? I'm just being smart and preparing. And you see how easily it comes on. And what happened? My anxiety went up because I felt like there was not going to be enough. This guy's anxiety only goes down when he feels like he's got control over it. And then he tells his own soul, soul, you can relax now. The problem is, He may have had stuff in storage, but he didn't have it 
he wasn't generous towards God. And it was required of him that very night. And then they asked this great question, who gets your stuff? And the answer is, someone else. And that's the same answer for us today. When we're gone, someone else gets our stuff. We can't amass it anymore. And so Jesus uses this story as a warning. Be very careful about how your anxiety ratches up through the desire to go and fight and scrap and grab a hold of more. Even in the case of wanting to run to the grocery store, be careful with that. Because what was I experiencing in that moment? I was experiencing that my safety and my security is found in what I can put in my pantry. And as long as I can get my pantry overstocked, then what can I do? I can relax. And that's why Jesus is laying out this story first. And then he has this word of encouragement for us. And this is what Jim read for us. Verse 22. And he said to his disciples, Therefore, based on the story he just told us, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. So he tells them, and to this group that he's looking at right now, and you need to understand the group that's gathered around him, there were some wealthy people in the group. But the majority of the people gathered around him at this very moment are some of the poorest of the poor. They're, they're a poor that they don't know where their next meal is coming from. They don't have but one, perhaps two sets of clothing anyway. And so he looks at them and he says, says don't you worry about what you will eat or what you're going to wear? And you almost want him to go easy on them because compared to this group, we're all very wealthy. We're, we're all well-to-do in this category. And, and in fact... We even kind of laughed about this verse as, as a staff because we looked at it when we, earlier in the week and we made the, the comment, yeah, we're worried about what we're going to eat, but right now in quarantine, most of you aren't worried about what you're wearing. Some of you right now are watching this in your pajamas. I, I'm well aware of that. You've told me how comfortable and great it is to watch in your pajamas. And we're not concerned about these things, but we are concerned about the future. And so he goes on. Verse 24, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor, nor reap. They neither have storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by being anxious, and here's our word again, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And isn't that what we're trying to do? How long can I stretch out my life? How, how can I get all that I can out of this life? How can I grab all the gusto that's possible? And I don't want to be, I don't want to miss out on anything. I don't want to feel like somebody else had something that I didn't have. I don't feel like somebody else was well taken care of and I feel like I wasn't. I don't want somebody else to have an experience that I feel like somehow I was cheated out of. And he says, who can add a single hour to a span of life? And then look at verse 26. If then you are not able to do to do as a small thing as that. That's an interesting view. Did you catch that? To Jesus, adding an hour to your life is a small thing. Now, if I could figure out how to add hour or hours to my life, that's a big thing to me. But in the hands of Jesus, that's a small thing. That's, that's the easy 
thing for him to do because of who he is and the power and the authority that he has. And then he, he goes on. He's talked about the birds. He says, the birds, they're not worried about the eat. They, they don't run with anxiety. The, the, the animal kingdom doesn't run with anxiety. They just have an understanding that they'll provide. That's the natural order of how it works. There's just an assumption built in there. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon, who was an Old Testament king that they all would have known, and one of the wealthiest men to ever have lived, in all of his glory was not arrayed like any of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you? And so what he's saying is, you walk by incredible opulence every day when you walk by flowers in the field. And God is, by His effort, that's more luxurious, that's more complicated, that's far more of a piece of majesty than any clothing ever designed, even the clothing worn by kings, and yet it's still so temporary that it's here one day and thrown in the fire the next. And He says, if God takes that kind of care with something that's that temporary, how much more so with you? And he puts this in here and says, Oh, you of little faith. Now, I know it's so tempting to hear Jesus really be condescending in that. But remember, there's not tone. We don't get to hear the tone that's said. And what I believe he's saying is with an empathy. Oh, you of little faith. Come on. I want you to know the truth of what I'm saying. Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Pay attention. Your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And then he gets very pastoral. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says, do not be anxious. I'm going to give you three takeaways from this that I believe will help you to not be anxious. And these, again, not coming from me, but coming from Jesus, because we want to live out this verse. I, I believe with a passion that the church, the followers of Jesus, should be the least anxious people during this time. Because people are watching and it matters. This, is, again, is a chance for the church to shine. So three takeaways that I believe that if you'll incorporate these, that this will lower your anxiety and increase your faith. Here's the first one. Avoid the lie of, if I don't, it won't. See, th this is the idea that we move God out of this, the role of provider, and we get caught up in this idea, and this is what the man with all the barns got caught up with. He says, if I don't provide for myself, if I don't store up this grain, if I don't do this, then it won't happen in my life. And we try to take over the wheel and the control of our life. If I don't, it won't, and it's a lie. God has and always is the provider. 
And as much as we want to wrestle that back from him and we want it in our hands because that's why our anxiety goes up. Because if I don't go get enough food, if I don't find enough things, if I don't then I'll be left out and won't provide for. And that's a lie. And we've got to push against that lie. And that's why Jesus is inviting us with the birds don't buy that lie. The flowers, the fields don't buy that lie. You don't buy into that lie. So we're going to avoid the I don't. If I don't, it won't. Because that's pulling God out of his role and trying to put us as the, the one with the confidence and the security. And that's why we store up so much stuff is because it gives us a sense of confidence and security. It's why our anxiety increases when we see a 401k drop. Because suddenly our future, where our security was, is now become at risk. And now it's questionable. And it's a chance for God to step back and say, I've got this. Avoid that lie. Second thing that we can do, be someone else's miracle. See what the man with the barns did? He thought all of the extra that he had was for him. And that was his fatal flaw. He assumed that God has given me extra, therefore it's extra intended for me when what God is calling for is an invitation for you to take whatever extra you have and share. Whatever ways that you can bless someone else, you can be the answer to someone else's prayer. And God would use you in that way. And here's an incredible dynamic. When you start focusing on how you can help somebody else, guess what's going to happen to your anxiety? It will decrease guaranteed. Because suddenly you're outside of yourself and you're being responsive to other needs. This is one of the reasons that we're so committed to doing the good neighbor effort. Because it is an invitation for all of us to be a part of being someone else's miracle. Being used by God to be the delivery vehicle, the vessel, the conduit by which He brings some blessings to someone else. And so as you start thinking about who else is in need and what needs can I meet, maybe they're financial, maybe they're an act of service, maybe it's a means of prayer, whatever it is, when you start becoming focused on others' needs, your anxiety will decrease. Do not be anxious, but be passionate about serving others and helping others. And put that into practice this week, and that will begin to radically alter how you view your current situation, and it will begin to increase your faith in what God can do, not just around you, but through you. And the last one's this. Talk to your father. It amazes me that so often that when we hit a crisis like this, we talk about prayer, but we don't pray. We don't engage our Heavenly Father, and that's exactly what Jesus does. Remember, we talked about a week ago, the Lord's Prayer, where He instructs the disciples and us to call our Heavenly Father, Father, and invites us into that intimate situation. That's going to be a theme of Jesus throughout His ministry, and particularly throughout all of Luke. And so here He is on two different occasions. He says, Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure. And he keeps reminding us, this is your dad that you're talking to. This is a good dad that you're talking to. And he says, talk to him. Share his, your anxieties with him. 
Because I, here, here's the promise. So many of us grow up with this idea that we think that we have to filter our language when we get around God. That we've got to clean it up because he can't handle what's really going inside. Okay. God is big enough to handle what's going on inside of you. God can handle that. He's not surprised by it. And so you talk to he- your Heavenly Father and you give Him your anxieties. And you ask for Him to do what He wants to do, and that's provide. Look what the verse says. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you, give you what? The kingdom. Which kingdom? His kingdom. Remember the prayer from last week? Heavenly Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. And so He's invited us in that. He wants to give you a portion of His kingdom. Now, here's what we have to understand. He wants to give you His kingdom, not your kingdom. And what this means is, as you talk to your father, realize that this good father, like any good father would, he's going to give us what we need, not what we want. Because so often my anxieties are revved up, not because I'm actually going without something that I need, but because I'm being denied something that I want. Again, this is something that sneaks up on us and we've got to guard our hearts. But we're asking our Father to be the provider, to be the one that can come through, to be the one that brings us exactly what we need. And I'm encouraging you to pray every day. Pray. Once a day, maybe at the beginning, maybe at the end, wherever you find the time that you're praying every day, God, here's my anxieties. I'm asking for you to provide in the midst of these. I'm asking you to come into this this situation, but I'm going to trust that you're the provider. One of my favorite stories is about a man named George Mueller, who in England a couple hundred years ago ran a children's orphanage, and he was a man of prayer. In fact, he kept a journal And near the end of his life, he began to account all the different prayers that he had in the journal and the prayers that he saw answered. And by his estimate, 50,000 prayers that he prayed, he saw a direct answer to. And time and time again would he account and testify to what God had done. And as he ran this orphanage, oftentimes the money would be incredibly tight. And so there's a story one day where he gets up and... They don't have the food that they need. So he encourages all the orphans together in the, the cafeteria, the mess hall. And as they again, he, he says, let's pray for what God's going to deliver. And as the story goes, at that moment, people showed up at the door. One was a baker that said, I felt it on my heart this morning to bake extra bread for the orphanage. I don't know why, but I wanted to deliver it. And then shortly after that, the milk delivery cart, because this is back in the days where milk got delivered by hand, the cart breaks down in front of the orphanage. Instead of the milk spoiling, he brings it in and the orphans eat. And George would testify again and again to God's favor like that. Well, one of the most powerful stories is they're praying because the budget is very tight. The money is gone. They do not know how to keep the, the doors open. And so they're praying for God to deliver. And in the midst of this prayer, a friend says, I know my sister, and she has some jewels that she wants to give. And so they run, they bring the sister in, and 
she offers up these jewels. And obviously, in the eyes of an orphanage, this is an incredible amount of wealth and a vast amount of money. And so George Mueller takes a diamond that was being donated, and he goes over to the glass window in his office where they had been praying, and he takes that diamond and he etches two words onto the glass pane so it would be there for everyone and for him, himself to remember. And it's these words right here, Jehovah Jireh. And he put those there as his reminder because Jehovah Jireh is a name for God, and here's what the name means. The Lord will provide. Jesus invites us to call him our Heavenly Father. And he's a good father. And the Lord will provide. Let me pray for us. Father, we live in a season where anxiety runs high. And so I'm praying, Father, that you would increase our faith to decrease our anxiety. That you would remind us it need not be in our hands of control where we so desperately want it to be, but to place it back into your hands. Father, that we would be perhaps the miracle in somebody else's life. That we, you would give us eyes to not look at our own situation, but to look around and see how we can participate along with you in providing for so many. And Father, help us to always remember that you are Jehovah Jireh, the one who will provide exactly what we need. And Father, we know that you did that in Jesus. That at a time when we couldn't even see or even realize that you sent him into this world to be the sacrifice for us. So Father, let us claim that now. And Father, I pray for all those that are listening to this in quarantine around the world, that it would be Jesus that we lean on, knowing that you have provided, and that to add an hour to our life is a small thing in your hands, that you've already taken care of the birds and the flowers, and you're going to take care of us. So Father, however long the quarantine goes, I ask that it would end quickly, but I ask that you would be glorified in the midst of it. And that we learn to trust in a whole new way. Father, I ask this in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.